Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, visit PCAPainted.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all of you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the App Store and Google Play. This is Ask a Painter Live. Uh, this is a weekly live uh, Facebook, Instagram, sometimes TikTok and, and YouTube show where um, me, the host, uh, a 31-year master craftsman, a 15-year business owner, uh, and lover of all things painting and business, uh, come on and I just share machinations. I share life. I share what it's like to do what we all do. We love the craft. We love business. We love our people. And we want to get out there and do good things. And this is where we connect. And tonight is an AMA show. I love these things. I put it out on Instagram and Facebook and looking for questions and boy, do we have a bunch of questions. So what I will also do is uh, anything you guys want to talk about tonight, ask me anything, any question, any topic, you want to talk about something specific about your business, uh, we can definitely do that too. Um, I am here for you. Oh man, I'm already seeing questions coming in. So, all right. Uh, housekeeping first, as you guys know. Let me just make sure real quick, uh, tech check quick, trust but verify, as a wise man once said. So let me just make sure that we're going here. There we go. All right. Get rid of that guy. Perfect. Okay. I got questions pulled up. I got notes pulled up. Housekeeping first, people. PCA, Painting Contractors Association. Very special thing happening next week in Nashville. National Board of Directors meeting. All the officers, the executive director, PCA staff, directors, committee members, everything else uh, will be in Nashville for the Women in Paint Conference and the Commercial Painters uh, Conference as well, too. Three major things happening at once. The first day of all this, I'm going to be leading my board of directors and my 140-year-old nonprofit that I happen to be the chair of uh, in, a, in, in a board meeting in person. And then we are going to be talking about uh, the vision of this organization. So always open to any suggestions you guys have. Uh, the marketing committee, the PCA has been reaching out with surveys, and they've been doing uh, a bunch of great work. And we have great data. We have great feelings and all this other stuff. So if you guys are in Nashville or want to go to Nashville next week, I would suggest that you go. If you're a woman in paint, woman in paint is the thing for you. It's a hyper-focused group. There's probably going to be somewhere between 70 and 100 people there, right there. Uh, and for women in paint, there's probably going to be 75 to 100 commercial contractors as well. Now, the really cool thing is there's a bunch of women who are commercial contractors who are going to be guiding, uh, possibly doing both. And I will be there uh, as a as your board chair of the PCA to support both of those things. So I'm going to get in there and we're going to make it happen. So if you can be at those things, that would be great. Next thing that's going on is the Contractor Reboot Conference uh, later on in November. This is in Seattle. Seattle's a hot spot for what we do. I would urge you to get there. So let's all talk about let's all talk about the craft. Let's all talk about business. We haven't done one of these in quite a while. It's kind of like the old residential forum where we get together, we talk business, we talk tech, we talk craft, and we all want to be better and we all want to build better contractors. So that's coming. And then of course, we have our Super Bowl uh, uh, in late February, March uh, in uh, um, Orlando. We're having the expo. I would urge you to be there. Now, one thing that I haven't added to the list that is going to be shortly on the list is my homecoming master's class. Every year, my local Sherwin-Williams 
usually Graco or a Titan or Hirschfield or somebody hosts me for my homecoming master's class. It's usually my last one of the year. And uh, I we uh, this year, it's going to be Sherwin-Williams and Graco. We're going to the Graco World Headquarters. We're going to see the robots put the sprayers together. I'm going to be giving uh, my two most popular master's classes for the last year, marketing and estimating. And that is hot on everybody's mind right now. It's going to be awesome. I got so much data for the people who were just in SoCal surf prep uh, facility down there to see my uh, newest uh, revised marketing master's class. It has data up to the week from my business. And I share in real time how we went from three or four years ago to being pretty unintentional to this year being very intentional. And I have great, uh, I have great uh, data and feelings to, to share with you that we've likely taken our marketing spend down 50 to 75% while still maintaining the same amount of leads. That was the goal. That's what we're doing. We're on goal. And that makes me very happy. And I can share that more with you. I know Phil Klein, uh, he's in Facebook watching now. Uh, I think Phil's coming up to our Graco master's class, uh, Sherwin-Williams master's class in December. So, all right, here's the deal, folks. You want a master's class in your area, you get a hold of me, you get a hold of the PCA, and we'll get it in the works. We usually have an underwriter, a place to eat, uh, a facility, and we get it done. Uh, also business training and painters training. If you want to learn how to be a painter, if you want to learn how to run a business, if you like anything you hear tonight, uh, PCA business training, we have foundations, we have accelerator, uh, all different levels. Uh, we get you with a real cohort and we get you out there and, uh, we get you learning, uh, all the things you see tonight are part of that. Uh, that is what we believe. So, all right, let's get into some questions here. I think what we're going to do first is I think we'll go through Instagram and see what we got here. So, do, 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 do. Oh yeah. Hello everybody on Instagram. How's it going? I got my, uh, my, uh, different view tonight for everybody, uh, <laughs> to live and die in LA, uh, the best way to, to reduce brush strokes. Um, so a couple things here. Uh, lots of people immediately go towards additives. I don't necessarily go towards additives because that is a variable that you're introducing into the craft system. And in order for it to be replicable, you have to assume that that additive is going to be here uh, or that everybody's going to mix it properly. So yes, there is Floetrol and Penetrol and a whole bunch of other companies that make additives. Floetrol and Penetrol have been around forever. Penetrol is made for oil-based paints. Floetrol is made for water-based paints. Lord knows, as you guys would expect, back in the day when uh, the new 100% acrylics with the new resins were coming out, they did not lay out very well. So I experimented to high heavens with Floetrol and many other additives. And yes, they work out great. But every time you dilute paint, uh, sorry, there's a fly buzzing around here. Every time you dilute paint or add things to it, uh, you may gain something, but you're likely going to lose something as well, too. So you're going to lose coverage. There's going to be more open time, more dry time, which allows it to level out. Uh, but it, uh, that can also add some other problems, which is, you know, debris getting in it and things like that. So um, honestly, the way that I solve brush strokes the most are change the paint, change the brush. Um, even one paint and one brush will not give the same results for two people, right? That's pretty obvious. You get a novice versus a master craftsperson, somebody that can go very, uh, very, very, um, uh, quickly, you can take a paint like ScuffX or Command or uh, any of the other really snap dry things like that, and you can get a beautiful finish. You put it in the hands of a novice, dries too quick, you get brush strokes. So honestly, what I love uh, recently in my company, and you, you guys know we tested everything, um, we can get an amazing, amazing finish with Emerald Trim Urethane, with Pro Classic, with ScuffX, with Command, and even a bunch of the uh, 1 and 2K polys uh, when we have to brush 
with a Nylox brush. My favorite is a two and a half inch Nylox sprig. It's a straight cut, beautiful, beautiful beaver tail. The bristles are, um, the bristles are um, nice and smooth, flagged at the end. And honestly, I can get some of the best finishes uh, that you can do with that. Uh, and and on properly prepped trim, if I go uh, end to end uh, and it's not some crazy large panel, uh, you can make it pretty dang close to sprayed. So honestly, I go brush, I go coating. So, all right, here we go. Hi, I'm a professional painting estimator. How can I get uh, painting contractors to prepare bid estimate? How can I get to painting contractors to prepare the estimates for them. All right, this is gonna be a tough one. Now, I assume that you mean commercial painting estimates. If you're a if you're a painting estimator and you wanna sell somebody like me your estimating services, um, unless, if I understand how this works correctly, you're probably not going to, you're probably not going to be doing residential stuff because in order to do that, you would have to go to my appointments, meet with my clients, walk through their house, know my processes, create an estimate in that. Um, I suppose virtually there's a thing where we could uh, take pictures of the house, do all that, give you measurements and you prepare an estimate. But at that point, that's the easy part. I assume you're talking about commercial and please let me know if this is correct or incorrect. Um, I assume that we get big blueprints for a huge hundred thousand square foot Amazon uh, warehouse delivery storage center. And you come up with takeoffs, you come up with the estimating stuff. The problem is most of these estimating services they, what they really mean, they're not going to give you a price. They give you a takeoff. They give you a square footage. So if you truly do provide estimating services, I would like to know what production rates you use. Um, where do you get those? And if they're accurate, because I know a lot of other painting companies are different. Um, we are here to help. Uh, continue. Keep asking clarifying questions and we'll be here for you. Do, 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 do. Love that. <laughs> oh, you people in marketing, Frank's painting. Best marketing to attract quality leads. Uh, here's my promise to you guys. Sorry, I got this fly buzzing around me. I'm gonna grab. I'm just gonna have this here, okay? Uh, if I if I swat a fly, it is unprofessional of me, but I don't care. I live in the country on this beautiful farm, and it heated up the last couple of days, and the flies got woken up, and they're all over the place. So, um, here's the deal. Last thing we're gonna do today is I'm gonna talk about marketing. I have my marketing plan. I've already seen the questions. I have my marketing plan pulled up. I have some marketing data pulled up and I will show you guys exactly what I do uh, to get uh, somewhere between 40 and 70 leads a week, most of the year and fill our schedule. Uh, I'll show you exactly what I do. And of course, this is part of my master's class and this is part of mastering the basics, the series um, in, uh, yeah, yeah, in the winter coming. So I promise you at the end, last topic tonight, marketing. So hang on tight. I know you guys are going to have to hang out, but I want to make sure we get into everything else here. <laughs> uh, also, how can you do the marketing for my estimation services? How can you do the marketing for my... Uh, I guess we're going to have to know more about your services. I would like to know exactly what the deliverables are if somebody like me hires you for an estimate. Sir, uh, that would be great. Do, 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 do. Let's get in here. Okay. Oh, Mr. Joe Delafave. How's it going, my friend from Benjamin Moore? Good to see Joe. Joe's a very close friend in the industry. One of my first close friends in the industry and uh, super professional. So, okay. John Harrell, how's it going? Uh, let's see. Da, da, da. Gathering in North Carolina. John, I would love to get together in North Carolina with you. Uh, Steve Lockwood, uh, my gathering group meeting tomorrow with SW Collaboration over Competition. Love that. Phil Klein, hopefully we'll see you soon, man. It's been fun following you on social media. Uh, next year, come back to Northeast. Oh, yeah, I would love to. I would love to. Jeff Adkins, starting a training program. All right. 
here's the deal. This is going to be a, um, Ask Painter should be retitled. Uh, congratulations. This is an unsatisfying answer uh, to your question. Uh, Ask a Painter, as far as I can tell, has basically turned into a series of unsatisfying questions and answers that we are unsatisfying answers to these questions that we know the answer to. Um, but we're just kind of looking for confirmation and things like that. So, all right, Jeff, here it is. A training program is 10% an SOP steps to how to do something and 90% human to human, face to face, shoulder to shoulder, empathy, training, inspiration. That's what it is. It is not what our industry wants to hear. Um, you need to find a decent human being. You need to have another decent human being who knows what they're doing and you need to mush them together and you need to show them uh, what to do. One person has to be empathetic. They have to be happy. They have to be inspirational. Um, they have to uh, uh, be coaching and developmental and uh, it has to be simple. It has to be straightforward. It cannot be a long time. And then after that, um, you know, you can train somebody for a year if you want, but then you're paying them for a year and they're not generating income. The other part of training that nobody talks about is what happens after the initial training. In my company, we do a week. We've done two weeks. We've done one week. We've done more. We've done less. One week seems to set people up really, really well. People don't want to hear this, right? It takes a lot of effort to train people. Most people don't want to train people. It takes a special human to train somebody. Not anybody who can paint, not every master craftsperson is going to be a good trainer. We know that. There are some grumpy, impatient, old master craftspeople, kind of like myself out there, who are not good trainers. We subscribe to a system called Doragi. And Jeff, um, I think I saw an email from you looking for a training program. I'm going to send it to you. It is not going to be as helpful as you think it is. If you print it off and you use it in your company, it's not going to help unless you have a decent human being who's a good trainer doing it, and a decent human being accepting the training, all the while both being managed by you, likely the business owner. <clears throat> we subscribe to a philosophy of training called Doragi, D-O-R-A-G-I. It's an acronym. We have a poster printed off. Um, demonstrate, observe, redemonstrate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look it up. It's not me. It's not our industry. It is a, uh, it is a very worldwide known thing. As close as you can do to that, do that. Uh, that's going to be an important thing. The thing that nobody talks about after the initial week of training is what do you do after, right? Because you're training for more than a week and then they're just out there in the world. You have to have more decent human beings to guide them. You have to have an incentive plan that has concrete deliverables that is up to them, not to you. It cannot be feelings-based. So in my company, what we have to do is we have our initial week of training. And then if you want to progress and keep your employment and be eligible for a raise in my company in the first three months, you need to paint the walls in a 15 by 15 foot bedroom in four hours or less with minimal callbacks. Um, you have to hit 75% of the hourly budgets on your projects and you have to work a certain amount of hours. That's simple. The next three months, now you have to show sprayer competence. You have to be able to get paint in, get paint out, adjust things like that. All the while attendance and job performance uh, on top of those things. Uh, on month nine, uh, you need to do a set of kitchen cabinets by yourself, attendance, uh, and job performance. And at 12 months, you need to be able to do all the things that we do while leading an apprentice attendance and job performance that incentivizes people to work quickly, work well and progress. Cause there's uh, steps and ladders in front of them. Now, the problem is if you just say you must do this and you pay them $11 an hour, they'll say, 
I don't know why I should do that because for $18 an hour, I can work for McDonald's and there's no hurdles I have to get over. There's nothing I have to earn. I just show up and I get it. So that that's why in my company currently, this last quarter, we started people at $20 an hour and we give them $1 an hour every quarter if they hit all those things. Now you have a system that incentivizes them to do better and stay longer and to uh, to stay in it with their head down and, and perform better. So it's got to be this holistic system of that sort of thing. So we think training, we think here's a video. Here's a quiz. Here's a thing. And all that stuff is great. The problem is it's one bit of an ecosystem of how somebody succeeds. So very long way around of saying, very unsatisfying way around of saying, one inspirational, decent human being who knows what they're doing can train a million other people to high success. You need to do that. That's that's the key there. Um, my, <laughs> my training program is less than a half a sheet of paper. Honestly, it's simple stuff. It's wall painting, cabinet and trim painting. And it's in our shop and we go through the basic standard operating procedures, put some tape on, patch a hole, brush and roll. This is not earth shattering stuff. The magic is in the good people who administer it and inspire others to do it. So Jeff, love the question. <laughs> Chris Moore, how's it going, man? Actually a really good person. Chris uh, Moore, are you coming back to Southern California next year? Uh, yes, I would love to. I've been going out there for about three, four years now in a row. And if I have my way, I will make my annual pilgrimage to see my uh, best friends, the surf prep people and the Feria family. And we will do more of that stuff. So can you talk more about the relationships with paint reps, other painting contractors and GCs? Yes. All relationships are good relationships, I would argue. Um, Number one, paint reps. Uh, it's one of the most underutilized resources that any painting contractor has. And when we say paint rep, we think of uh, a guy who sells Benjamin Moore or Sherwin-Williams or a gal coming around and showing you a can of paint. You already know what it is. And they're trying to get you to buy more. You're trying to get a lower price and some free t-shirts. And then you have this weird sort of uh, relationship where maybe they take you golfing once in a while. Maybe there's a discount in paint, but it's a really underutilized sort of thing. Um, what I do and what Steve, you've heard me talk about before is <clears throat> I lay out a strategic plan for the year. And I say, hey, uh, Mr. Benjamin Moore, Sherwin-Williams rep, I plan on growing 32% this year, right? You already know what my spend is now. If I grow 32%, that is the goal, you are likely going to sell me 32% more paint. I am willing to give you all or part of that 32% added paint buy this year if you help me out with some things. Now, it might be logistics. It might be um, a special ordering system. It might be, um, you know, uh, some special deals on gear, but mainly what I do is I go to my rep and I say, here's two or three products that we use all the time. You give me a ripping deal on those. I want a non-embarrassing discount. When I talk to other people in the country, I don't want to be embarrassed by how much I pay. I want my ego intact. So you help me on a few products and I will give you all of that 32% growth. Then people you actually follow it up. You grow your company between 27 and 35% and you show them that you will do that. I have done that with my paint rep for five or six years in a row. And some of those years were 47% growth, 52% growth, things like that. And I have followed through. And in fact, what I do is if I think I'm going to grow 32%, I'll tell them I'm probably going to buy 20% more paint from you. And I end up buying 28% more paint from them. So under promise, overperform. It's a huge thing. I can get great deals on paint. I can get a great relationship, a whole bunch of other ancillary benefits of people in the, my, my local store are high five and they love my people. They're always looking out for us. Anything that we need, they're going out of their way for it because they know we buy a ton of paint. We'd never bug them. We just send in email orders. We use the ordering apps on these things. And they're always looking out for us. 
And uh, <clears throat> when push comes to shove, if they have that choice of getting that last paint order in 10 minutes before close, when we get it in, I have a feeling they do that extra effort and get it in. They, we have that relationship. So there's a lot of soft and hard benefits to that sort of thing. Um, let's see. Uh, other paint contractors and general contractors. Yeah, my life has changed after I got involved with guys like Steve and other people and uh, and and uh, sort of just let my world expand a little bit here. Um, it's a... It, I don't know. I'm trying to focus my thoughts on this, but there was a point where I was the constrictor of my entire business. I have a very regressive mind. I was leading like guys in the trades 50 years ago, just screaming at young people. And I got involved with other contractors, other painting contractors. I got involved with other painting contractors around the world. And my life changed because I saw what good leaders, good managers, and good master craftspeople are. And it inspired me. Because here's what happens. This is a lonely thing that we do, everybody. And if we sit here on our isolated little toadstool and do our own thing, sooner or later, you're going to think I'm the most expensive. I'm the best. I'm booked out forever. I don't know how much more improvement I can get. These clients don't know how good they're getting it. I can't charge any more money. I guess I've just capped out. I'm going to do something else. If you reach out to other people around the country, not only will you find that all that is not true, you're actually probably way worse than you think you are. And you might even be below standards. What you're charging is probably half of what you should be charging as a sole proprietor. The quality you're putting out is probably half as good as the quality you probably should be putting out. Your charge rate, your, your efficiency, your production rates are probably half of what they could be if you were challenged by other people that you look up to across the industry. And that's what our industry needs. We need that competition, um, that friendly competition, the cooperation, the, uh, the friends to push each other and things like that. I would not be here today without guys like Jason Paris, 40 minutes up the road, who runs a painting company. We were on a job site, a remodel the other day, finishing up, and there's a card for Jason Paris painting, uh, Paris painting, hanging on the door right there. Could not have made me happier. Could not have made me happier because guys like Jason pushed me to do better. I would not be where I am where if it weren't for guys like Jason. Uh, great people. Many other people in the industry. So let's go through... <clears throat> Let's go through Instagram. We'll do one more from Instagram. We'll go one more from the comments and I'll go to the comments from the previous post from today here. So, mm. all right. Uh, all right. I feel like our friend from Instagram is probably somebody overseas operating, op offering estimating services. Yes, sir. I am happy to help you. I would love to deep dive. I would love to know what your deliverables are, what you offer. You can email me nick at nickslavic.com. You can also DM me through Instagram. <clears throat> and I don't poo-poo uh, all the vendors, all the marketers, all the people who offer estimating stuff. I always typically ask them, what's the value prop? What are you offering? What does it cost me? What do I get in return? And let's hear it. Most of the time, it's not great, but I'm willing to hear you out. So let's. Uh, I would love to hear more. DM or that. Ah, uh, swoosh painting, uh, weird one. How do I get some Ask a Painter stickers? So uh, you can always DM me and I'll probably send you one out, but I have a list of about six people, some from six months ago that I'm a little behind on sending some t-shirts to. I actually had the kids in here rolling t-shirts for me. Uh, it's been a busy year, folks, and uh, I'm, I'm a little lax on getting uh, stuff to all my friends. Easiest way to get that stuff is to show up at one of these in-person events. I take a whole suitcase full of merch, t-shirts, hats, stuff from my main company, stickers, magnets, all that other stuff and get them there. So uh, happy to help you out there. So, all right, let's go through some live comments and then we'll go to my post when I was asking for questions and stuff. So 
<clears throat> Let's see here. Chris Moore. Oh, good friend, Chris Moore. How's it going, my friend? That's also 90% of our coaching calls with clients naked. Okay. Unsatisfying answers. Yeah. Base, you know, so <clears throat> a lot of times, even my coaching sessions with, uh, with my coaches and things like that, it ends up being, con- oh, got him. Yes. Hope I didn't ruin my microphone. Uh, it, it ends up being a confirmation of what I probably know to be true, but may or may not want to do it or just need the impetus to go do it. And that's kind of how it works there. What's your attendance policy and is there any exceptions? Yes, David. So here's the deal. When somebody signs up for my company, they sign an employment agreement. They sign a job description and deliverables. I have deliverables, deliverables for them. They have deliverables for me. Um, when you sign up for a full-time job in my company, a full-time job is 2000 hours a year. It is 40 hours a week for 50 weeks a year. That's assuming you get two weeks off a year. And in my company, uh, we only work a four day work week. So that's only 201 working days a year, which leaves you 150, 65, 165 days off a year. That's a three day weekend every weekend. So my attendance policy is very lax. Um, in order to maintain your employment here, you have to uh, you have to do two thousand hours a year. In order to be eligible, excuse me, you have to do um, one thousand nine hundred and eighty, I believe, another two weeks. If you fall below four weeks off a year, you're you uh, there's typically a counseling or development uh, form that we do. Uh, if you fall any any farther below that, uh, you could be you could be fired from my company. Uh, when you do sign up for a full time job, there is an expectation that you work full time hours. That's how it goes. Um, there's an expectation from every one of my employees that their paycheck is full and on time. And if I don't do that, I am a bad human. If somebody in turn doesn't hold up their end of the bargain, they are in turn a bad human and they need to hold that up, right? Uh, if if you had a boss who constantly shorted your checks or was late or was random, you would call that person a crook, right? Now, I'm not going to call somebody who doesn't work enough hours a crook, but I will say they're definitely not holding up their end of the bargain. Good thing is in my company, I'm empathetic. We address it with them. We talk about it four times a year. If they fall behind, we can absolutely help them out. You have a three-day weekend every weekend. Feel free to work 52 Fridays a year to make up 520 hours. I need 500 hours a quarter and 2,000 hours a year on average for you to be eligible for a raise. If you fall another two weeks behind that, you could be eligible for dismissal from the company. Just a company policy. I don't enact it very often. I usually look for core value stuff too. So uh, yeah, I've given people exceptions before. For people who are the best performers, share my core values. Uh, obviously, um, I've even given some people raises for medical exceptions, uh, things like that, just because they're great performers and they were taken out. Now, here's the good thing. There are some people who are like, what happens if I break my knee and I'm out for six months? Congratulations. If you're a good human and you share my core values, you'll have a job when you come back. And we might even find you some office work while you're there. Uh, that's that's the agreement. If you're a good person, you meet the standards of the company, you're one of us, you share my core values, you're a hard worker, you meet the standards, we'll do a lot of stuff for you, like a good employer will. So that's what we do. Ah, Michael Gallagher, how's it going, my friend? Uh, how do you manage your schedule? How do you account for jobs that go over, punch lists that take up time? Yes, that is difficult, right? The, the problem is that's an easy question, but there's a question that you're that you're not answering that you mean to answer. That's the real question, which is how do you account for jobs that go over? You do them. You go over. How do you account for punch list items? You reschedule guys to go back. But I know what the real question is. We already have a full schedule. What do you do? It's just a pain in the ass. We deal with that all the time. Uh, we actually instituted a new policy today in my company to help deal with this. It's a strategy to help us do this. Um, People like us, business owners, we have a tendency to schedule to the gills. Uh, we want the stars to align. We want best case scenario, and things often don't happen that way. Monday, we had three people call in sick. It's likely we have one crew out for the entire week this week. 
that is a huge change. We've been scheduling, excuse me, four to five weeks out right now. And that's a huge thing that pushes back lots of jobs, lots of clients that we have to have conversations with. Um, one thing uh, that we know is that is mass chaos. Now, here's the deal. As the leader, as the manager, and the rest of my leadership team, it is sometimes mass chaos when that happens, when three people call in sick. The problem is uh, it's usually not the people's fault, right? It's illness, it's sickness. So you're super angry that everything has to be changed. We might even lose a job because of it because clients just get irrational sometimes. and They say, I don't care. I wanted that date. Now I'm finding somebody else. We don't hold it against the painters, but it doesn't mean it makes our life any easier, right? And that's the sort of agreement with this attendance policy stuff, which is you can take as many days off as you want, but the problem is it causes mass chaos. And uh, uh, we have to be careful how we schedule jobs uh, for people that are kind of here and there in our company. So uh, this is what we do, Michael. We have anywhere between uh, 11 and 15 crews out there, usually in the winter working. Um, uh, one thing that we do is uh, we have about four or five single person crews. We leave them unscheduled. We leave them unscheduled uh, throughout the winter. We leave one crew. We try to leave one crew unscheduled. What we do is uh, we work a four-day work week. We leave it TBD uh, for a week. And then that Monday, uh, if there's not people out sick, if there's not another project that's fallen behind, if there's not a punch list item, then what we'll do is we'll already have jobs triggered for that. Now, there's pluses and minuses to this right too. Leaving one crew unscheduled is not what we want to do. It's not ideal. But the problem is there's so many unknown variables that goes into scheduling, especially people's proclivity to show up to work or not based on the right things or the wrong things, right? It could be a family emergency. Uh, it could be vacation, could be all that stuff, but either way, they're not going to show up and we need to account for it and try to maintain some semblance of sanity in the company. And that's how we do it, Michael. So I hope that helps. Always happy to, uh, to help offline if you need to. Oscar, four hours to paint. Uh, does that include loading and loading van from start to finish? This includes, well, Listen, so here's the deal. Yes, people ask lots of clarifying questions. What about this? What about this? What about this? Here's the deal, folks. When I get in there and do it, I do it in an hour and a half. So who cares if you unload the van or not? Now, Oscar, listen, we're friends. I'm getting a little spicy here, but here's the thing. Typically, how we do the test is gear is somewhere near the room right? That's how we do it. It's not load and unload. Although uh, when I do that bedroom in an hour and a half, <laughs> it would only take me another 15 minutes to load and unload the van. So that's just how it goes. That's where you're going to see the um, range of skill, range of grit in humans that have uh, that are either master crafts people, been doing it for a long time, love this and have a lot of energy for it. And people who are novice and new and still kind of curious and finding their way through it. So, but either way, four hours is a great over and under for walls in a bedroom. Do you charge clients the wholesale price on materials or or what you pay? So here's the thing. I don't I don't mess with this at all. Um, here's what I do. We don't intent like we obviously unintentionally do this, right? Because whatever we charge the client has to include paint, has to include labor, has to include overhead and all that stuff. So whether people have a specific way of finding a price through marking up materials or not, you are still doing this. So I'm just going to be upfront and honest and address that right now. Here's the deal, though. There's nothing wrong with that, but that doesn't add or detract any value to the client, right? So for me, Here's the perfect price for a job. I think that's the next uh, sequential question to that, Michael. And I appreciate all these awesome questions, Michael. Um, the question really is, what's the perfect price? The perfect price for me is the most you can charge that will fill a schedule. And when you produce it, you can produce it profitably. To me, that is the definition of market rate for a residential home service, right? So somebody will say, well, how do you market materials? I say, 
I don't really know. And I don't really care how much I mark up materials. When I sell a job, I want to be able to produce it profitably and I want a calendar full of it. And until those things happen, you move the price up or down to get more or less, right? You move your price up if you want less of those jobs, theoretically. You, you move it down if you want more of those jobs, right? It depends where you start. If you're already starting low and you move your price up, you may still get the same amount of jobs. Uh, but you need to collect data uh, for that to happen. So, um, Michael, uh, what we tell clients, what we tell them, which is true, is that we get a very good trade discount and we pass it along to them. Now, we could say that we mark it all up and then we just charge us for labor. We, we, what we tell them is we pass our discount along to you and, and the rest of the job is just labor. Honestly, most of our clients don't care that much. But I do know there's a bunch of painters out there who have some pretty good formulas for we do materials marked up this. We do labor marked up this. We do we have this ways of finding price. It's all just different ways of finding price. So Michael, I hope that's I hope that's helpful. Oh man, here we go. Ryan, how's it going, man? Fellow Minnesota painter. Uh, love Ryan, by the way. Uh, hey Nick. Uh, let's see. Great answers. I failed this year with a PM by taking a chance on a friend in need. Uh, what can you tell me about your experience with these types of hires? I really want to continue to grow, but we'll need to hire this position to make it happen. My fear of the higher impacting reviews and impacting net profits in a negative way uh, is my way. Yeah, listen, man, I get this. Um, if you, if, if I want, if we want to be honest, I think I have hired more unsuccessful project managers than I have successful, depending on how you define that. But either way, I have experience with both. And um I was actually just helping a painting company recently with this. Uh, they're having some friction with their production manager, their new production manager. And, uh, you know, we just solved a bunch of these issues uh, over the last two years in my company. So I was always willing to lend a hand. So here's, here's what I found. Um, the truth is, if you put an ad out for a residential repaint project manager that will control about $1.5 to $1.3 million of $4,700 AJS work at 45% GP in the Southwest metro area of Minnesota, or even the metro area of Minnesota, Ryan, you and I both know that that human doesn't exist. We probably need to create that human. So here's the things that we look for. Number one, core value match. Uh, you want to be a good person. That's a non-answer, but you want to be a good person. No shit, right? Um, you want to you want to have people that you would have over at your house for a barbecue with your family. Um, one 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 very interesting trait that I found in the most successful project managers is they well number one they're above the line. They take ownership. They they take ownership and responsibility of every one of their actions. They do not blame or excuse deny. That is at a minimum, you will not have that on your leadership team. That is an, an immediate fire right there. Above the line, below the line. Above the line is taking ownership and responsibility of every action, sometimes when even it's not your fault. Below the line is blame, excuse, deny. Humans are sometimes grotesquely consistent along that, up above and below the line. So you just have to be careful. People who are consistently below the line, blame, excuse, deny, they don't stand a chance. People who are high velocity communicators, emailers, callers, things like that, stand a very good chance. Here is one of the best litmus tests for project managers that I know of. You can ask somebody this in a potential uh, question. Okay, there's an email from a client that says, hey, they have some questions about a job. We potentially miss something. There's some paint on the floor. Uh, and they have some questions about the quality of our work. Project manager, candidate, what do you do? They should immediately say, I'm going to call them right now. I just get them on the phone. I get them on the phone right now and I hear them out. And I'm going to listen to everything they have to say. I'm going to make a list of things that I can do to make them happy, right or wrong. And then I'm going to go over there, make a plan. I'm going to address it. I'm going to schedule this ASAP. Like literally before you, before 
before they get done reading the email of a client that says, hey, we have some questions about a job. There might be a callback here. Literally halfway through the email, they pick up the phone. They're already dialing. That, as far as I can tell, is one of the best traits of a project manager. They lean in to the things that need leaning in the most, the quickest. That is that is probably the best trait that I can, that I can tell you. Um, the people who have worked very well in this job have done that. Not without coaching. Uh, not with coaching. They just do it. Right. When you're hiring somebody for a potential hundred thousand dollar job a year per, as a professional, you should not need to tell them that that's what you do. They, their natural proclivity should be, oh yeah, you call them and you hear them out. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the way that's conflict resolution. That person wants to be heard, hear them out. The, the thing that almost all of our clients want to ask, but never ask is, are you going to take advantage of me? And when they have a potential callback, they believe they're being taken advantage of. And if you wait a day and then email back and say, well, I don't know, we'll see what we can do. Painter said we did all right. You, you lost it, man. That's not what they want to hear. They want to be heard. They want to voice their opinion. So honestly, that is, um, that is one. Also, uh, I've been, I, I know that the project manager role needs some maturity and some experience with human interaction, right? You just need lots of reps with talking with humans, interacting with humans, customer service roles, ups, downs, left, rights, everything else. It's somebody that, yeah, you just need somebody with a lot of maturity to be able to handle that and keep a positive attitude. So Ryan, this is something I have spent more time on than anybody else in the industry over this last year. I'm happy to go offline with you anytime you want or anybody else. Awesome question. I love this the most. I love that question the most. So, all right, <laughs> Jeff, nice hit. I got that fly, buddy. Uh, da, 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 da. Floor Lopez. Uh, da, 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 da. How about this, man? Uh, Google Translate. Pump that stuff in Google Translate or somebody else Google Translate for me and we'll get this. Oh, Clayton, how's it going, man? Hey, Nick, you said on a post the other day about kitchen cabinet paint, uh, you made all these kind of tests. What was the best product you're using now for cabinets? Ah, yes. So uh, over, over the last 15 years, I've never had a cabinet or trim failure using an SVT process, oil primer, and a water-based top coat. Now, those have changed over the years, right? Uh, as a matter of fact, you know what? I may be I think I've used CoverStain for 15 years. I've always experimented with everything. Everybody makes good stuff. Sherwin makes good stuff. Benjamin Moore kills, you know, Bear, all that. They make great stuff. The problem is I just use stuff and it works. And then uh, I can look a client in the eye and guarantee it. So right now we are using um, CoverStain as our primer and we're using ScuffX Satin. And uh, that is a bomb-proof, beautiful, amazing system for our clients. It, it's turning out trim and cabinets that are so beautiful. So beautiful. Um, I, I put out one post a day uh, in the winter. It's usually about trim and cabinets through the Nick Slavic painting and restoration page. I share it through other stuff, but I usually don't put it on the contractor pages because it's kind of for my clients. And Clayton, you saw that post where I said, you know, hey, beloved local clients, this is some information you need to know. Um, I love that stuff. I would urge you guys to go there. There's there's a lot to learn. There's a lot of uh, content to take in, even from that stuff that I make for my clients. So, yep. Happy to help, Clayton. We'll get to Instagram here shortly, folks. Robert Galensky, how's it going, man? Uh, been a while since uh, since I made one of these. Glad I'm getting my fix. Yeah, just trying a, a rainy evening. We got kids at dance tryouts, gymnastic tryouts. We got all sorts of stuff going on. I had my my boys in here rolling T-shirts for you guys. Oh, I got to show you guys this stuff. So here's the deal. Uh, I had, uh, if you guys can see in the corner of the page up here, I had a friend of mine, Luis, remake all my logos this year. And in turn, we have brand new editions of t-shirts here and colors and stuff too. So we got this beautiful kind of like orangish peachish. It's coming off a little more pink, but it's this beautiful like strawberry ice cream colored shirt with the new face logo on it. So 
uh, coming at you guys this year. I'll be traveling around with a whole bunch of these shirts. And uh, yeah, I got, uh, I got stickers and magnets and 15th anniversary Nick Slavic painting and restoration shirts. Oh, we got Carhartt beanies. Uh, I got hunting fleece. I had a whole bunch of fun stuff for everybody. So uh, yeah, thanks, Robert. Steve Lockward, make sure you share this. Oh, yes. Here we go, folks. Kindest thing you can do for me right now. We got tons of people watching Instagram. We got tons of people watching Facebook. Kindest thing you can do, as Steve said, is share this thing. Doesn't cost you anything. Means the absolute world to me. Hit share. Share it to the painters group. Share it to your friends. Share it to your business page. It would mean the absolute, absolute world to me. Thank you guys so much. Hacky. Ryan, how's it going, man? I hung on <laughs> to one too long. I agree with you. Core values is key, dude. All right. I know we've been trying to get together, Ryan. Let's 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 get the mating. Uh, let's get the meeting going on. Let's get together and talk because I love swapping project manager stories. It is just, it's a great thing here. I absolutely love this. So uh, we run service businesses. Uh, we need to remember we're in the business to serve. Dude, Anthony Cade, dude, coming through. I absolutely love it. I'm struggling to grow. I know this isn't a yes or no question, but by and large at an extremely high level, is it as easy as if I throw a bunch of money at marketing, I will get more leads? Absolutely not. You guys, I have done the experiments. I've done the intentional experiments. I have been approached. Ooh, got another one. I've been approached by marketers saying, hey, Nick, ask a painter guy. Um, I'm willing to do an experiment with you. Do you want to do it? And uh, if it works, put my name out there. If it doesn't, you decide whether you put my name out there. And uh, honestly, great people, really good services. Uh, but most marketers that uh, serve our industry are way better. Uh, their core demo is likely the one person painter or somebody growing to five painters, give or take. Right. Uh, I need between 40 and 70 leads a week. Uh, most of these people say we'll get you one to five leads a week. That's barely an add on. I can trip over one to five leads a week if I just call people. So it's not that they're not good people or they don't offer a good service. For me, it, it never was a good fit. But I will tell you this, there are very few people in this industry, this with love, I know marketers mean well, and they, they want to serve our industry. But, but I will tell you this, in all my experiments, there's diminishing turns, returns with money. Uh, there are places to spend money that you should and almost have to spend money, Google AdWords, website, maybe a little social media. And there are places where it's almost just overkill. It's just overkill to spend it. You can solve, you can solve problems with money, with time, or with both. And I've actually regressed. I've uh, like I, I like I mentioned earlier in the show. Uh, we've been doing an experiment where I've been taking my marketing spend down fifty to seventy five percent and supplementing my own efforts and uh, micro little uh, uh, touches throughout the week, and it's been having a great a great effect. So uh, honestly. Um, I'll be honest with most single owner operators. If you have a website and you have a social media presence uh, and you have a Google listing and you're active on all three, you should be, uh, you should have way more work than you can handle as a single owner operator. Doesn't hurt to be a good citizen in your community, be known, yeah, volunteer, things like that, all that stuff. Um, yeah. But uh, if you need leads right now, Go to your printer, print off a bunch of flyers for your business, and go door to door. If you really want jobs, knock on them too and ask for estimates. You're going to get them. You're going to get them. That's how it works. Most times, um, single owner operators, Robert, this comes with love. Most times, single owner operators, the thing holding them back from growth is not leads. It's not marketing. Um, you should have more work than you can handle, right? It's usually the owner as the constrictor. There's something holding you back 
from doing the things you need to just get out there and do it. Number one, are you working a 40-hour week? Are you working a 60-hour week? Are you filling your schedule with painting? If not, get out there and start calling people you know. Call relatives, call friends, call uh, community members, things like that. Get out there and make some work. Um, there was I had a very slow winter my first winter. I had a monster job come through a veterans organization on a big ballroom, um, uh, a veteran-owned ballroom. It was the biggest job I did for the first three years of my business and it fed my family all winter because I was an active member in the veterans groups. I was known in there. They knew they could trust me. And those guys looked out for me when I started my own business, right? So same thing here. You be a decent human being, you lay the tracks, you, you leave a good wake in your path and it'll come back to you. But Robert, if I bet you, if we have a five minute email conversation I can probably sniff out what's actually holding you back. And I'm going to be honest, you're a business owner. You got to have tough skin. It's probably you because in my business, it was definitely me. It was definitely me. So, all right, Ryan, anytime, man, you know, I'm here for you, whatever you need. Those are, those are tough things. So Michael Gallagher, what do your follow looks like? Sorry, don't mean, <laughs> no, dude, that's what it's for. This is AMA. Ask me anything, man. All right. Uh, SOP for follow-ups is calling an email every 24 hours for three days. And then we try to get a yes or a no out of people. Uh, but then there's a, there's a follow up, uh, as well too. We, we do not have, um, any problem following up pretty aggressively with people because we've done something for them for free. We've driven to their house. We spent time with them on their time, giving them a custom estimate for free and driven back. And now we're taking the time to follow up with them. Uh, we don't have any problems asking them, Hey, is this a job we can do for you? Do you have any questions? Uh, one thing we just instituted too is on the first follow-up, we're sending an email of our basic value prop, which is, hey, if you're on the fence, here's the deal. Um, most paint companies don't have this, but if you have us just paint your bathroom, there's going to be an estimator, a project manager, an office coordinator, probably at least one craftsperson, and the owner of company. We are your team for that project. If you get a single owner operator, they're all of that. And that's fine. I'm not saying good or bad, but for your project, if you hire us, that's our value proposition. We've been around for 15 years. When you call three years from now, we're still going to be here. You're thinking about getting the outside of your house done and you want it to last seven to 10 years. Most painting companies only last one to three years. If you, client, homeowner, get your house painted on the outside and you call a company back more than one to three years later, the likelihood of them not being in business is about 99%. We've been here for 15 years and I've been doing this for 31. We're going to be here when you call. So that's our value proposition uh, to our clients. Aggressive follow-ups in, in the most empathetic, passive-aggressive way in Minnesota. I'll bring you a shirt in Nashville. John, I will bring you a shirt in Nashville. We will see you there, man. I think you're going to the commercial, commercial one there. Blair, most of our leads are from Facebook and word of mouth, but we haven't been doing ads, just videos. Yes, that's exactly it. If you can do that, that is great. Now, one of the things that I made the big switch, like right now they say, Nick, I'm going to show you guys the marketing. Remember, promise at the end, I'm going to show you my marketing plan. I'm going to show you what I do every week. Here's the deal, folks. I have supplemented a whole bunch of, hey, here's a, here's a shovel full of cash. Give me leads. Oh, there's no leads. What the heck? Let's try it again next month. Regular posting, regular touching, regular updating, regular stuff all the time is the best way to go. And I'll show you exactly what I do. Jacob Ransom. How's it going, my friend? Oh, Travis. What's up, dude? Absolutely, man. Uh, my friend from Alaska. Uh, great merch. I've been wearing it around the farm. You saw me on Alaska Painter as well, too. It's great. Do you use the software for follow-ups or do you own? Yeah, no, this is personal. This is personal. We don't have anything automated in the ways of scheduling or follow-ups or anything. This is humans sending them so we can respond, right? Uh, we also want to be able to monitor the system. So 
All right, Mr. Golensky, appreciate the feedback. I very much prefer the constructive criticism over attaboys, dude. Attaboys don't don't keep your business uh, businesses lights on, dude. Uh, that's just how it works. Um, if if we were entry level employers or painters, there's got to be a lot of empathy, a lot of love, a lot of positivity, a lot of inspiration uh, when somebody's learning stuff. But as business owners, your business costs you a certain amount per week, whether you make it or not. You got to get out there and kick some ass, man. And this whole Ask a Painter community is here for you. We want to provide good jobs for our people. We want to provide long-lasting jobs, health insurance, retirement, PTO, four-day work weeks, things like that. We want to make money, time uh, and uh, money freedom for our families. And at that point, attaboys don't get you that, man. Somebody in this company has to have the tough skin, and it's usually the business owner. So that's how it works. I'm going to I'm going to go through some questions that were posted before. Ryan Davis, the first handful of things a painting business owner needs to dial in when they're doing between zero and 50K per month in sales. So Ryan, uh, love that. And thank you for what you do for the industry. Uh, here's the deal. When you're starting off doing stuff, you need to get a proven product. Number one, um, estimating and sales don't mean a thing if you can't look a client in the eye and guarantee that when you paint their cabinets, it's not going to fish eye or fail or haze or craze or scale or any of that other stuff. So number one, how do you paint? What do you paint? What prep process, what coatings, what process, everything else. You need to be able to look a client in the eye and guarantee a result. Number two, uh, you should probably start working on a, a data-based um, estimating system, whether you use production rates or job costing or something else. As long as you track every estimate you do, whether you won or loss, and if you have a fairly high success ratio, you can bring your prices up. If you have a very low success ratio, you kind of have to make a decision. Am I doing it right? Am I offering the right thing? Or am I charging too much? And then you kind of have to adjust from there. But I would say proven process and start thinking about a data-based estimating system. Third thing is, uh, which is you guys know this is coming, is job costing. You should be accounting for materials and labor on every single job, even if you're a sole owner operator and you don't pay yourself, you need to account for your hours to track that, to see your revenue per hour. And, uh, I have a ripping template for you guys. If you want, you can always email me to get that stuff. So, uh, Ryan, thank you so much for that. I appreciate that. Uh, these are questions previously that people posted when I, when I put the call out, uh, <laughs> Tim Patterson, I'm really diving into marketing strategies for the winter months. Hold tight. Last topic of the day, job costing, how you enter per project. John, I will, I will, uh, I will happily share with you. Um, here's the deal. Let's get into. Let's see if I can pull this up quickly. Screen share. Uh, I'm teaching somebody to job cost right now in my own company. I have a, I have a ripping high school intern. Uh, that is awesome. All right. Uh, let's see here. I am going to, sorry, pardon me. Let me switch some screens around. We want to do, 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 do. Give me just a second while I switch this around. Here we go. Oh, come on, where's my production dashboard? Here we go. All right, so uh, what you guys are seeing, this is my schedule. I'm gonna get into job costing quarter four. Uh, here are, let's see, here's all the jobs we've done since October one. Da, 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 da. Okay. Here's where my, see, you can see the verified number right here. Um, there will be, let me see if I can, how about that? Boom. Gotcha. 
Oh, I love technology. All right, folks. So here's the deal. Here's my estimating template. I revised it even since this last winter here. Uh, I am going to have an entire show. You guys know, I'll probably go three hours deep on job costing. I am a complete nerd with job costing. It is the greatest thing I've ever done. I love it. I love the intricacies of it. I love it how you can parse it. You can sort it for all the information you need to make good decisions. So here's, here's the basic idea of job costing. Uh, this is the basic information. You're not going to be able to see everything on here, but you're going to be able to see some stuff. So here we have the project name. We enter the project name. We enter the source, the marketing source. This is something that we do new exterior or not because we track interior versus exterior. If we use a subcontractor or not, our estimator, our project manager, whether we get a callback or not, the weight. So this is what percentage of the revenue of this quarter is this job? It'll eventually do revenue per hour, but this is a sub project, so we don't we don't uh, we don't have a revenue per hour because we don't track their hours, uh, and it automatically calculates gross profit, materials, and labor. We put in the revenue. Uh, it gives us an hourly budget. It tells us how much over and under. We track all our materials here. So we used a bunch of latitude on this one because we're getting into the fall. And then we have labor, what we paid out in labor on a job like that. So that's the basic information that we put in here. I'm going to share this template with you guys, uh, and you can make all the right decisions uh, for your company based on that. But more to follow, more to follow. It is a very simple thing. But again, professionals do mundane, unsexy, boring things consistently all the time to get a big result instead of these moonshots, stuff like that. So, all right. Love that, John. Uh, <laughs> da, 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 da. Holy mama. John Paynew, what do you like about oil primer? John's a longtime listener. I always joke about just talking about oil primer all the time because I love it. All right. What do referrals look like for your company? As in when somebody asks for a roofer siding person, do you maintain a list of trusted providers that you present uh, to your company? Do you find it adds value? 100%. Uh, right here. I can... Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, let's get going with, oh, I'm only sharing that tab. Hold on a second. Uh, that's not going to work right now. Uh, I was going to do something very cool and pull up my list of referrals. We have a copy and paste list of referrals for everything. We have it for a plumber. We have it for wood flooring. We have it for electricians, framers, auto mechanics, things like that. Uh, anything that we can do, it's huge. It's huge. And also, what do you think happens when we, uh, Scott Yeager, our favorite carpenter, when we give people, clients, his name, and they say, well, you know, we want to just build a gazebo. I guess we don't need painting. When Scott's over there doing the carpentry and there's some painting that needs to be done, guess who he's going to refer, right? It's a beautiful system like that. So uh, what are the most impactful adjustments you made to your sales process? And are uh, are there any you're considering? John Payne, way to go with the questions. Um, sales process. Number one, we are likely transactional sellers, not relational sellers. That's something we can dive into uh, later. Um, <clears throat> the client only wants to ask, am I going to be taken advantage of? But we'll never ask that. So any question they ask, even if it's as simple as what kind of paint you're going to use, who's going to be doing the work, when can you start? They may actually want the answer to those, but what they really want the answer to is, are you going to take advantage of me? So Every time you answer a question, consider talking to them uh, and answering in the way that you build trust and let them know that you're not going to take advantage of them. Any any changes we're considering? Uh, not right now to the to the sales process. Um, not right now. Um, have you ever had a client sign a waiver for a terrible color they just had to have? Yes, 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 yes. I was telling a, a friend of mine in the industry here uh, that years ago there was this awesome awesome client here locally. And we painted the entire main floor of their 3,500 square foot home road cone orange. And, um, I didn't have that much hesitation about it because the wife decorated their house in zebra 
peacock feathers, things like that. So I could tell that this is, they had, they just had that flamboyant sort of like design aesthetic to them. And they had big personalities. They wore funky rim glasses. And I could tell, like, I still gave them a bunch of warnings though, but it was one of those things like, listen, you understand that nobody likes this, but you, right? Like, and three years later, they ended up uh, uh, putting the house on the market to sell it. We came back in, we turned it all neutral color, but they knew they were getting into. So they were happy. But I do, if I find, you know, a, a kind little old lady, uh, who, um, uh, has all white in her house and she has nothing crazy in the way of design aesthetics, clothes, a car. She drives a 22 year old Toyota Camry. Her yard is neatly manicured. Nothing is crazy. She doesn't even talk in a loud voice and she wants deep purple walls all over. I will, I will warn her a few times, you know, that doesn't fit with it, but I also don't want to stereotype people because I like doing the fun colors too. So, oh man, Michael Gallagher, how do you manage your schedule? How do you account for jobs that go over? Okay. We got that one. That's a good one. Uh, John Ray, I'd love to hear your thoughts on effectiveness of the different types of scalable marketing, targeted direct mail versus EDM versus canvassing versus AdWords. I'm pushing on all fronts right now. I'm having the best immediate results with canvassing. Yes. You and just about every other painter uh, in the United States. Right now, sadly, what works is direct mail and going door to door. Most people don't want to do it or don't have the time to it. John, that is the most immediate thing you can do because it's immediate. You can just know that you're actually touching a house. Uh, you're, you're interacting with a human and that's just how it goes. That's just how it goes. There's scale. So here's the, here's the fun thing. John was at my marketing master's class and he saw the updated one. Uh, there was the first time I've updated with all this data. Marketing breaks down in a really fun, not fun, really unsatisfying way. There are things that work very well and cost almost nothing that you can't scale. There are things that cost a ton of money that can scale and that aren't as effective. So uh, on its face, think about like Google AdWords and the algorithm. You can punch a pile of money into Google and not necessarily get a lot out of it, but it's infinitely scalable. You can scale to the whole world if you want. But then there's a thing like my local newspaper, which only will go out to 23,000 humans, right? It's never going to go out to any more. 10 years from now, it may go out to 27,000, right? Um, the leads are very low cost. They're very good people. They're very good. The problem is you can't scale it. And you might say, well, instead of an eighth page, Nick, put in a full page. I don't know that that's going to make any difference. So there's things you're given in life, like word of mouth and referral. Word of mouth referral is the greatest thing on earth. It costs zero. They're already trusted clients and somebody out there is preaching the good word about your company. Problem is it is scalable, but it's not. You don't control the scaling. It is not scalable, which is if somebody said, hey, Nick, I want twice as many word of mouth leads next month. You likely can't do it because you don't control it. It is scalable by staying in business for 15 years, doing 700 jobs a year and doing really good work everywhere you go and treat people kindly. That's the only way to scale it, but that's a long, long vision. So John, you and I can go on about this for hours. I think uh, John Ray is a huge marketing geek like me, the data, the feelings and everything. Uh, we just love it. Ah, here we go. Pete Wayslow, good friend, Pete. Uh, do you guys include project management expenses, labor into job costing numbers for job costing? I used to, I don't, don't anymore. That's all overhead. Who do you have accountable for gross profit? Um, the painters are accountable for the hourly budget, which equates to gross profit. My project managers and my uh, estimators are jointly responsible for that. So the way I think about it, Pete, is a three-legged stool in my company. Painter, estimator, project, ma project manager. <laughs> there you go. Painter, estimator, project manager. The painter has a comp plan that um, incentivizes them uh, to hit a certain hourly budget on a job. That hourly budget is tied to the gross profit of the job. Hourly is just easier to digest. It's a, it's a, it's a more simple number than trying to do gross profit. 
because you don't know gross profit till after the job. It's a it's a reactive number, not a predictive number. The estimator tries to sell it for the highest price and define the scope in a way that we can win, right? And assign a price to it. And then the project manager sees to it that we don't go over on materials or labor and manages the expectations. So we all win together. And yes, there is times where the painters don't perform well, everybody else does. There are times where a project manager orders too much materials. There are times where an estimator doesn't estimate something correctly. Yeah, it, that's just how it works. But there's peer pressure and there's an incentive for everybody to do that. Nobody's perfect either, right? It's just how it goes. So Pete, love that. By the way, interesting screen displays. I like the three monitor setup. John, okay. All right, we have gone through all the old. Let's go through some Instagram and then we'll talk marketing here, folks, as promised. So, Make sure I go back far enough. Oh my God. Sorry guys. I've been slacking on Instagram. I got to go all the way back for a whole bunch of ask a painter stickers. Okay. I'm caught up here. Here we go. All right. Hang on. Hang on folks. Here we go. Ah, goose painting. Good friend, Minnesota painter watching here. Oh my God. Lots of people watching. All right. Uh, uh, Fountain City Painting, just switch my vehicles to Grand Caravans after following these for years. Could be happier with the setup. Yes, uh, one of my one of the things on my rock list also, I got to come up with a van plan for next year. My vans are getting older. I want to plan before they start getting bad. Uh, so uh, one of my rocks is I got I to gotta figure out something. So more to follow, folks. I love my vans, but we need to find uh, not something else. I mean, I'm, I'm open to vans again, but we need to find, I mean, we got a fleet of 20, uh, 20 vans now, and we need to have a systematic professional way of purchasing, maintaining, outfitting, and doing logistics on these things. So way more to follow. Skylar Stewart, how's it going, my friend? Good to see you, sir. Ah, parts with painting. Uh, we did door flyers for the first time ever last spring and landed a 50K project worth a couple hundred bucks invested. Absolutely. And people are going to have, um, people are going to have experiences all over the board with that kind of stuff. So just so you know, uh, do you have any thoughts on Brandon Lewis coaching program? Yeah. Brandon's a good guy. Does a good job coaching. Um, coaching is only as good as you <laughs> and how much you're actually going to do any of the stuff. So people say, Nick, who's your favorite coach? Who does good coaching? Uh, the two things I'll tell you is coaches are typically, they, they kind of have their niches. A lot of coaches do really amazing things for a certain type of contractor at a certain time or revenue number or place in the industry. So research that. And number two, they're all going to tell you great things. They're, they may even all hold you accountable. The problem is if you don't do any of this stuff, none of it matters. Absolutely none of it matters. It is solely dependent on you. They're just there to present you information and sometimes hold you accountable, give or take. Ah, the right painter. Aloha, my friend. Always good to see you watching. Oh, my God. Uh, Bonoiche, my friends down in Brazil. Nick, uh, thank you for all you do. Absolutely. Thank you much. Uh, da, 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 da. Let's see here. Oh, yeah. Sorry. If you guys want to follow the screen share, I am on Facebook doing the screen share. Instagram, we haven't worked that out tech-wise yet, so you're going to have to go to Facebook to follow all that stuff. Uh, Bonoiche, my friend. Jonas down in Brazil. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Oh, hello, Toots. Amy Slavic is watching. How's it going? All right. Let's go back. Uh, we'll do a couple more questions, and then we will end with some marketing stuff. So, do you use any keywords in your Facebook or Instagram posts? No, I don't. I've tried the hashtags and all that other stuff. I don't know. I see marketers everywhere do it. It's probably not bad to do it. I can't prove it does anything. Uh, if you want to reach a wider audience, it probably helps. 
Uh, it probably wouldn't be a good idea to get stock hashtags and keywords and all that other stuff and just copy and paste them all in there. But I don't know. They're really hard to track and it's hard to tell if you get uh, if you get any benefit from them, if I'm being honest. So uh, da, 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 da. Blair, thank you much. Jesse, timely topic, figuring out marketing for the winter. No longer solo. So now I have to try, dude. I hear you, man. And it was, uh, yeah, it, it was really good to see you in SoCal. Dave, uh, yes. Going into year four of the four-day work week, same, man. It's a way to go. It, it's, a, it's a lovely thing. And I hope maybe guys like you and me can actually have a taste of it one of these days too. So Sam Chandler, how's it going, my friend? What do we got here? Ah, there you go. Rodrigo joined us from Instagram. Uh, I'm a one to three year business. I recently uh, have my wife doing estimates. When I do estimates, I obviously close more as I'm the only craftsperson. What are some steps to help her close more? Uh, mm -hmm. So you want to have a metric based bidding system for her to use. You want to have some scripts. You want to um, have her go along with a week of estimates with you to, to so she can see Um what an estimate looks like. And then you want to go on a week of estimates with her and observe her and give her feedback. And then you can sometimes do a hybrid week the week after where if she has some specific questions, but that's what proper training is like. Proper training is also either a daily or weekly meeting where you go over all the estimates, you go over the sold numbers and you answer any questions too. So it's a pretty involved process, but having, um, like I have an estimating SOP bill. If you email me, Nick at nickslavic.com, I can send you my entire estimating packet. I have an SOP. I have all that stuff. I won't tell you what to charge, but I'll tell you how to actually estimate and maybe even train uh, as well too here. So uh, da, 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 da. Michael Gallagher, how do you screen subs? What are you looking for? What are some red flags? It's pretty easy. If you want to talk to me, you got to have a W9 and a COI. It's got to be vetted by my commercial insurance. After that, we test you out on a small project. We, we figure out where you are. What do you do? Where do you do it? Will you follow up on our promises to the clients? Cause we sell a certain process and then we test them out on small jobs. And honestly, Michael, the only way to do that is they have to meet those certain requirements before you even talk. And after that, give them a small job. If they do one good, one small job, well, give them another until they do bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's just how it works. So, oh my God, here we go. Andrew Hall, Andrew Hulkinator, the man. The, the, the world famous estimator, Andy has entered the chat. So there's lots of estimating and sales and marketing uh, questions, Andy, uh, feel free to chime in, man. I could use all the help. Uh, we're going to do one last little deep dive into, um, uh, uh, marketing tonight. I'm going to go over some of the marketing plan that we're doing that me and Andy are doing in the business. So yeah, Blair on a site estimate with a price better than asking to give you the time it figured out within a day or two. I've had clients tell me it's good to wait a day or two. Uh, and I got the jobs. Oh, so do it on site or wait. Uh, Andy will follow up, but we are big on site people. I think this person has taken time out of their day to be here. Their project is top of mind. We want to hand them a paper estimate. We want to email them a packet. And we also want to have it on our tablet and go over any questions while they're here. It's not wrong to, to email it a couple days later, but I want to get it to them right away. I want to be the first guy in there to get them that estimate and uh, do that sort of stuff. So I think there's a huge value prop. If nothing else, to show them you're a professional, you can produce a paper estimate on site. Ah, talking a lot. Oh, does Zach Kenny? I got the fancy lemon cello stuff tonight. Uh, fancy Zach Kenny loves this stuff. Never seen any human drink more of that stuff in one day in my life. It's it's a it's a feat. It's a feat. Uh, let's see, Andy. 
Don't be afraid of the follow-ups. Uh, let's see. Uh, am I sending any of the Rockstar gals to the uh, women in paint? So I'm not. I'm flying solo this time. So this will just be me. You guys know I'm here a thousand percent for you. Um, uh, at any one time, depending on employment status, we have you know somewhere between ten and thirty percent of my company is women. And uh, yeah, one of the one of the best things that I can say about this is we didn't even think about it. It just is. And once in a while, people remind me, oh, yeah, it's like we do. We do employ quite a few women. Like, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And the best part is we don't think about it. And they're awesome. So, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. On-site is always amazing. Doesn't need to be high pressure. Uh, just great to tie a bow on it. Yep. Andy, you're speaking the language. So, all right. I'll, I'll look for some more uh, questions coming in at the last minute. But as promised, uh, for those of you who have hung on a very long time, marketing stuff. All right, so let's go to, do, 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 do. I'm going to share another screen with you guys. Um, we are going to have, uh, this winter, when we go through Mastering the Basics, there is going to be a massive amount of stuff for me to share with you guys. Uh, we're going to go hardcore screen share. I'm giving you all the resources. Uh, there's probably even going to be some live webinars that you guys can join outside. Outside of Ask a Painter, there's going to be events. There's going to be other things. We're doubling down this year. It's going to be awesome. And you guys know we're going to go right down through the steps to professionalization. We're going to start with making SOPs and a proven process. We're going to go to metric-based bidding, estimating, SOPs, uh, coding science, uh, uh, marketing. I think I already said that. Uh, leadership team meetings, management, human development, recruiting, apprentices, incentive, pace. I mean, you guys name it employee handbooks, all that stuff. We are going to go deep on that stuff. So uh, this is just a little taste uh, for everybody. So this is kind of my working document. It is absolutely not a fancy document, but it is my document. And this is how I sort of, do, 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 uh, I organize some of my stuff. This is basically uh, a living document. Every week and every month, I adjust this based on the leads that are coming in here. Um, Basically, what we do is we work with a, uh, a commercial B2B email marketing company to get commercial leads. Uh, we spend a certain amount on that. Uh, we do email marketing uh, for about 100 bucks a month. And this is where I supplement my effort. I do two emails a week. And I've shown some of the data to people. And we actually have a, a, an amazing amount of opens and clicks. So I'll, I'll share that strategy with you guys later. Um, client reactivation with email, postcards, calls, and things like that. Again, effort. Uh, we do some EDDM. Uh, this is this is down greatly. I was spending uh, two to three grand a week. Um, this uh, sometimes even four grand a week last year uh, to do uh, direct mail, and we brought that down, and we're supplementing effort, but we're still doing every door direct mail, things like that. Social media, we brought that way up from last year, and we're getting a great return on that. I kind of poo pooed it for a bunch of years, and then I kind of called myself out of my BS, saying. Why don't you, what is wrong with social media? And I could make the argument years ago, there's a lot of tire kickers. We're actually doing a great thing now, but it's not shoveling money in the algorithm and hoping for stuff. I'm getting on there and scheduling posts every day. I'm managing my own ads. I'm changing things out. I'm, I'm updating. I'm doing this. I'm doing a lot of touches everywhere. That's the theme. Uh, Google AdWords, we do that. I have somebody who helps me with that. We have our website uh, and improvements to the website, maintaining that. That's a very active thing. There's updates all the time. It shows the world and shows the algorithm we're there. I still have a newspaper ad. Uh, we're starting to do door hangers. It's a big experiment. That's a new thing for us this year. We're going to have estimators put those out if they have gaps in their schedule. Uh, we have relationship stuff with I'm going hard on. Uh, I've already started a campaign two months ago uh, to get in front of people to offer our services and to partner with them. And that's going very well. And then we have a lot of micro efforts. And so I want to share, I want to share something else with you guys. 
Let's see what we got here. Yeah. Let's look at, I'm going to see if I can share another screen with you guys. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Give me just a second here. And just making sure this is good here. Da, 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 da. Oh, where's my tab? Come on, baby. Here we go. All right. Get in that screen. All right. We're going to get rid of you. Boom. Okay. Uh, this is a week. Which one is this? Later in November, give or take Thanksgiving week. But uh, here we go. Um, this block here and this block here, these kind of uh, purpley, hazily things, these two things here are, are times that I schedule twice a week to do marketing. It's typically an hour to hour and a half per one. And the main idea is this. We have a bunch of quick hitters. This is my to-do list inside marketing every time. I start at the top and I go down. Now, you may say that's a lot of stuff in there. Sometimes this is nothing more than just verifying, hey, with direct mail, are we still good to go with 700 bucks this next week? Uh, Google AdWords, I check in with my guy. Uh, we have SEO. I check in with my guy as well, too. Uh, there's also a thing called Google Trends. You can actually see which words are trending, and I check on that. I update my newspaper ad maybe once every month or two, give or take, but I watch that. Uh, we track our door hangers. We do our business-to-business uh, -business leads. I check those email. I have four separate email addresses that I check for that. We have our email marketing. I typically schedule one to two weeks out. Twice a week, I send out email things. So that's that. Facebook and Instagram ads. I get in there. I have one stock ad. I rotate pictures around. I change wording. I, I change the demographics a little bit and follow that. And then I schedule out some Facebook and Instagram posts. I love updating, updating my Google profile. This is free. Everybody can get one for free. And you get on there. You put updates. You put pictures. You post. You, you comment on reviews. I treat my Google profile, uh, my maps listing, like it's a social media page. And I, uh, I believe the algorithm loves you. If it's Google's algorithm, I can't believe they would penalize you for doing all that stuff. I post stuff on threads. I post stuff on TikTok. We uh, upload stuff on YouTube. I post on LinkedIn. I post on Twitter. I post on Nextdoor once in a while. I post on House once in a while or Update House. I, I post or update Yelp uh, and then just go down the way on my uh, on my to-do list down here. So this doesn't take that long, folks. You can make one stock social media post, turn into an email, post it on all those social networks, update your Google profile, all that other stuff. It's all right there. So uh, I just want you to know that like, this is what it actually looks like. And most people will never show you what they spend, what they do, and when they do it. That's the sniff test right there. That's everything you guys need to know about that sort of thing. So, um, okay, let's stop sharing, stop sharing, stop sharing all that stuff. Get my screen back here. And uh, yeah, that's it, folks. That's our marketing stuff. So let's see if there's any last little... Da, da, da. Uh, hey, uh, Joshua, thank you so much for that. Dude, I am running 10,000 miles an hour. I'm preparing for leading a board of directors meeting and I have two events next week. Sorry, I can't give you a call tomorrow, but we got to connect. Uh, I would love to do email, whatever you want, but uh, I got questions for you, Josh. Uh, Phil Klein, do you do your own website updates? No, I do not. No, I'm actually working through a big refresh now. The goal is to get it done uh, at the end of the quarter. So uh, more to follow on that, Phil. Uh, as well too. So, uh, da, 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 da. uh, yeah, power inverter 
and printer. Yeah. People ask about this printer all the time. I, Andy and I probably keep this on uh, Google notes so we can copy and paste it to everybody. It's a, it's a great one, man. We, and so the thing is we didn't try a million of them uh, to print off our estimates on site. I tried one years ago. It worked and we never really changed. So, uh, I know it, it works really, really well. So, uh, uh, let's see Ryan, you need your own backyard or theme music playing during these shows. Yeah. So I got a little jealous. Uh, Jason Paris, uh, made his own for paintbrush and a dream and I want to get my own. So if anybody knows any bands that want to do a one-off song for ask a painter, I am all for it. I would like it in the style or in the, uh, this, yeah, the style of deftones. And there is a, uh, I was actually, yeah, I was getting all pumped up for ask a painter right before got him right before this show. And, uh, I was listening to Deftones on very high volume in my office here, uh, getting ready. And that's a throwback. I really, really like that stuff. So, uh, that would be awesome. I would like a death metal song for ask a painter. Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, since finally getting one curious, the cost to have somebody do the updates, uh, Phil email me and I will talk to you about, uh, who my guy is, what he does and what we, what we charge. Evo, how's it going, man? Andrew Hall, thanks. I'll look into it. I have Microsoft Surface Pro 6. Uh, would be Wi-Fi to print, or you can print wireless. Uh, we can print wireless. A lot of times, um, uh, we've done both. I know that uh, Andy, uh, me, and our other estimator, Ian, sometimes depending where you are, some technology just works and doesn't work. So it's always good to have the cord in case you need to do that, but it's wireless print as well, too, here. So, uh, yeah. So Andy's... And he's chiming in there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we we do the Microsoft Surface too. And uh, yeah, uh, I know that uh, like when, when Andy and I go around, I have like the AC inverter, another inverter, three different cords, Wi-Fi, cell service, everything. It's like, it's like no excuses when we go out there and do these estimates. So it's a great thing. And Andy, thank you so much for chiming in, brother. Love you. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow at work, man. <laughs> It'll be a good, good night. So, all right, everybody. Uh, thank you so much for this. I do appreciate this so much. Uh, da, 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 da. Thank you everybody for watching on Instagram, Facebook tonight, little extended session, but you guys really came through with the questions. Uh, my dream of ask a painter seven or eight years ago was just fire it up and people to throw questions at you. And this is a dream come true. So I absolutely love this. Thank you all. Remember the PCA, remember the PCA's events. I would not be, these people wouldn't be where they are without the Painting Contractors Association and the humans in it, I would not be where it is. Every interesting thing happened to me professionally after I started collaborating with other people and joining the PCA. And uh, one of the ways that really got me hooked on the PCA was the in-person events. Because if you just go to the website, it's just another website. It is full of amazing resources. But most of us are not going to sit there and do that all by themselves, right? And just self guide and self-implement all that stuff. What you need is allies and accountability partners, and you're going to get those at in-person events. So I will challenge you. All of us business owners like a good challenge. We spend an enormous amount of time and money on marketing, and that's fine. Uh, I would urge you to, to carve a little out of your budget this year and go to one event. Go to one event. And you can personally email me or call me after and tell me if you liked it or not. If you didn't like it, we can talk right? But if you did like it, I want to hear. I want to hear. I have never talked to a human after a live in-person event that wasn't completely leveled to the ground with inspiration after that. Um, I've met some of the coolest people in the world at these events. Um, some of my closest friends are people that I've met in this industry. Lifelong friends, 3D friends. We've gotten our families together. My life is different because of it. And there's a fly buzzing around my head. And I'm sorry for that. 
But either way, I, I challenge you guys this fall or in 2024, get on an in-person event. You will be different. You will be better. Thanks for watching, everybody. Appreciate you all. See you next time. Paynet podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPainted.org.